and everybody got it back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author and host of the Rose Garden Report. You can find us, as always, on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, all of that. Just a little programming note here. This is going to be the last episode for a couple of weeks. I'm moving apartments this weekend, and they're, you know, it's going to probably take a week or so to get everything situated. I'm sure all of you listening have probably moved at some point in your life. You guys know how time consuming it is. So there'll be no pod next week, probably no written content next week, unless there's like some breaking news and then I'll write on it. But if you don't really hear much from me over the next week, just kind of bear with me and we'll be back kind of after Labor Day weekend, we'll be back to kind of the usual schedule. And, you know, I know we've been doing the podcast once a week, roughly during the summer, once we get into training camp and there's a lot more stuff to cover, I think we're going to get back to maybe doing it twice a week. So there'll be a lot more stuff coming from me, both on the written side and on the podcasting side going forward. My guest is a return guest. The last time I had this guy on, he was just, at least publicly, I knew about all this at the time, but he was just Danny Morang of the Jack Ramsey's podcast. He wasn't yet <laughs> Danny Morang of the Jack Ramsey's podcast and of Danny and Dusty afternoons on uh, 1080. Little little baby steps, you know. There's a lot, lot of work, a lot of, lot of things being kept quiet, you know. Yeah, that was that was a tough one to keep quiet because I, I didn't uh, know that was a possibility. I had to sit on it for six weeks, man. It was Dude, I remember. So one of the, you know, remember it was literally like the, uh, uh, cause I had known you were talking to them about it. And yeah. then uh, there was that day that I think, which of the draft prospects was it that was supposed to talk to us after his draft workout, but then I think it was Benedict Matherin that they brought in for a workout. Yeah. And they, they decided they, he Matherin wouldn't be available. To media. And so then because you and I had driven out there, like we went and got lunch and then, you know, you were still talking about it with me as like, oh, this is a possibility. This might happen. And then like the next day I texted you like just about something else. And I mentioned like, if you get this job and he was like, and you were like, oh, you know, I actually got this job two days ago. So I was just like, dude, we were at lunch and you were talking about it being a possibility. And you had already like signed the contract. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we had to wait. So I signed everything. And then because Odyssey is a big company, man. It, right. You know, it's just getting stuff like you know, I's dotted T's crossed at the corporate level. And because mine's a little bit weirder in the sense that not only am I a host there, but I'm the digital director. So, um, it's a lot more legal bureaucracy. Yeah. It's a lot more legal corporate or corporate HR stuff. stuff. Yeah. I actually, it's what's crazy is I still haven't finished all of my training modules. There's, there's like 57 training models modules I have to go, or I have to go through. I'm dumb about almost all of them, but yeah, but uh, I'm stoked. Dusty and I are stoked. To, you know, we've already gone and done Pac-12 Media Days, and uh, we're kind of in the swing of things. College football season's getting ready. Basketball season's getting ready. It's going to be really fun to be able to – it's weird, man, to to start a show uh, in the middle of summer 
because it's kind of nice in a sense that because you kind of get to like feel your rhythm out real fast because there's not a ton of news. And without that, you have to kind of like build that rapport very quickly and not rely on stories or breaking news or anything along those lines. And right. it's actually been really good for us. So, but uh, it's been fun. It's kind of similar to the timing of when I started this whole Rose Garden Report uh, mm-hmm. newsletter and podcast venture because I started it the week of the draft. Like, I think I started it two days before the draft. Yeah. And so the first couple of weeks, there was just a ton of stuff to do right away. Like, like you know, they, they trade for Jeremy Grant the day before the draft, and then the draft happens, and they take somebody in the draft instead of trading the pick. And then the next week is free agency, and they, you know, re-sign all their guys and sign Gary Payton. And then right after that is summer league, and then Dame signs the extension. So the first two weeks, I was basically pumping something out, like, every day or, or multiple <laughs> things. And then since then, there's pretty much been, you know, Dame has had a couple of those camps that, you know, he's done, and I've been able to cover that. And then, you know, I've been able to write some other stuff here and there, but you're totally right that it is a lot easier to kind of get the rhythm figured out when you're not just immediately, you know, being thrown into something where, oh, there's so much stuff and it's going to yeah. be. And now, I mean, for you guys, like, how has it been for you? Because, like, I've always known you, at least, you know, you know obviously on a personal level, because, you know, we both go to a lot of Blazer stuff. But in a professional capacity, I've always kind of known you as a Blazer guy. Like, what's mm-hmm. it been like for you? You know, now you got to cover college football. Now you got to talk about national NFL news. Now, like, I'm assuming, like, once baseball gets into, like, the playoffs, you're probably going to talk about that or, or you know, yeah. whatever else. It's it's a bit of a switch to talk about it on on, like, platforms. Right, because but the thing is, like most people know, I'm, I'm a I'm a diehard USC guy. So um, it was it was funny. I got a lot of people who are like, "Are you like just going there to do basketball?" Because I've just been basketball because I've just been Blazers right. the whole time. And instead, like, you know, when we, obviously we did have some Blazer stuff when I when we when we first launched the show. Like you said, we had the draft and uh, summer league. Like I think two weeks after I started, I was down in Vegas. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, we did have that, and then. Um, Brandon and, and Dirt had uh, Joe on the show. So, you know, kind of having the background and, and having some discussions with Joe down in Vegas kind of fed into that. So that's all great. But the other stuff, um, it's kind of building a report. And here's the thing, like, and you know this from, from covering, you know, the Bulls and the Blazers. Yes. It's hard to cover other stuff while you're doing that. But now that it's fully my job to do this, I have time. And so I, I, I'm genuinely looking forward to like sitting down on Saturdays and Sunday afternoons and watching football because I haven't been able to do that for years. And now you have an excuse. You can just tell your wife like, hey, I, I actually have to do this for work. now." Literally, she, she understands like I get it. Like that's your job. And I, I, it's such a cool thing to be like, babe, I'm sorry. I have to watch this Little League World Series game. It's for my job. Because we're going to be talking about it the next day on the air. And I have to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Yes, exactly. and you do. And like, so like I always have it on, like I. Uh, I, I don't know if you do the same, but I, I grew up with Sports Center on in the background. Like, I actually did because my, my parents didn't have cable until I was out of college. Literally, literally, like the reason my parents got cable was when I first got a job covering the NBA full time. I was like, guys, you have to get cable and you have to get League Pass and you have to get a TV that was made this century or else I literally cannot come visit you for nine months out of the year because I have to be able to watch like the TNT games or the ESPN games. But it's kind of like a cultural blind spot to me, too, because Mm -hmm. any like not even just the Sports Center stuff, but even like, you know, 
so many people our age talk about like all those 90s Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network shows and mm-hmm. stuff that like everybody watched. I never watched any of that stuff. Like I could talk about like Arthur and PBS stuff because that was all I was watching when I was a kid. <laughs> but Rugrats or like any of that kind of stuff, I, I just never had any of that when I was a kid. So I did not have the sports center, you know, upbringing. The sports center lifestyle. No, man, exactly. I guess for, for me, I, I just remember in high school in particular, like every morning getting up six o'clock in the morning, first thing you do, click on sports center, then I go to the kitchen, make food or get ready. It was always just on in the background. And really up, up until I, I, I took the radio gig, that wasn't the case. And now I, I'm every morning I get up now. First thing I do is I click on sports center, make sure I didn't miss anything, grab the phone, start scrolling through Twitter, Twitter. make sure I didn't, you know, I got my notification. That's the, the, here's the crazy thing because the, the social director part of this is um, I have um, more notifications turned on now. I can't just have NBA newsbreakers. I have to have NBA, NFL, MLB newsbreakers on my phone all the time. Probably all of like the radio personalities on your net on yeah, your my station. station. So yep. that like in case like like Dusty tweets something or, or you know, Sprague tweets something yep. that you know you have to, you know, know about for some reason, like you just you see it. Yep. Gotta gotta keep my finger on the pulse of everything at the station. So and then when big stories break, I've got to do everything for, for Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter for, for the all the accounts. Um, and putting all that stuff together, like that's, that's like a different change and kind of how it all comes together. But it's, it's, it's been very cool, uh, long roundabout way of getting there, but, um, I'm, I'm genuinely like excited for college football season, NFL season to kind of, you know, bookend, uh, the NBA coverage. But the cool thing is like, again, because we're actually in the process of moving studios. So we're moving from the waterfront by spaghetti factory, uh, to slab town. Like just just north of four hundred five. Okay. Um. So I'm literally gonna like when I get done with the show at three, I'll probably go work out at like LA Fitness there or something like that down there, and then uh book over to uh, the arena, like every every single game night for all all forty one home games because I'll be credentialed and covering games like a radio beat guy. So, um, it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to be able to have like a a true like finger on everything uh, all season long. Are you gonna be writing stuff for the website also? Yeah, I'll be doing a little just bit. Just gonna be radio. No, I'll be doing a little bit there. Okay, so just getting into actual Blazer stuff now. Obviously, this last week for a uh, week in the mid to late August, dead part of the off season. There's actually been a lot of Blazers news and yeah. and controversy, which you know you want to talk about. Like you know, you were talking earlier about Joe Cronin uh, going on the radio, and I actually had Sprague on the pod right after he and Dirk did that uh, interview with Joe, and we talked about that. That was maybe like a month ago or something. But Dwayne Hankins actually just had to go on uh, the Rip City Drive with Dwight James and Chad Doing to kind of put out a fire about the broadcast team not being allowed to travel, supposedly, which I remember that, you know, you you and I had both kind of heard about this a couple months ago. Yeah. And... I just didn't really do anything with it at the time because I didn't know, like, I don't know if this is a final decision. I don't know if it's really my place to like put this out publicly. I don't know who it'll affect. Like, I don't know if it'll make it look like somebody did or didn't tell me this if I put it out. So like, I never did anything with it. And then when, when Dwight and Chad, who like, as much as, you know, those guys are, you know, independent thinkers or whatever, that, that station is the official station of the team. Correct. So the fact that, essentially state media is still bringing this up and not even trying to like massage it or defend it and saying like, Hey, this is a bad idea. This is, you know, this makes them look cheap. This is bad for the fans. That man open season. 
it made it. And suddenly, you know, I wrote a couple things about it. Kenzano wrote about it. Uh, Bill Orem, the new columnist at the Oregonian, wrote a couple columns about it. And then, you know, they kind of had to go into damage control mode, which I mean, this is a much less obviously serious thing to have to go into damage control mode about Certainly. than some other things that may have happened in the organization over the last uh really anything 12 months and in, involving somebody who doesn't work there anymore but like i will say and i said this at the time i have to give Dwayne credit a for being willing to not just to me because i the night that like this whole thing blew up I sent him an email and asked him, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to write about this. You know, do you have a comment on the record? And he gave me one and I put it in the story. And then he was willing to go on the radio with Dwight and Chad, which, again, I mean, I know that's like the state radio station, but he still, you know, was asked about it and went on the record with it. And he was transparent about, you know, what the uh, thinking behind it was. And he basically was able to say, look this was what we were thinking. Clearly this was a bad idea. Like we're going to reverse it now. So I actually have to give them some credit for handling it that way, as opposed to maybe doubling down on it or trying to deflect or just like hiding from making comments about anything. Yeah. I mean, realistically that's, that's kind of the situation. And like you said, we, this is, this had been out there really for, for a couple months and it wasn't my place or anything like that to number one, I'm not a, a reporter and I don't, I don't want to operate in the, in the, breaking news right world. that's not really my my thing <laughs> so um but you know you and i had talked and and some other folks had talked about it and we were all kind of like there's just no way like this can't be good this can't be something that's you know good for the product and people are when they find out about this gonna be pretty pissed off it was i was surprised that it was a thing i i didn't think it would actually stay there's been conflicting reports about where it originated i know some people are, are you know, yelling at Vulcan and, and, and Bert and, and Jody, um, Dwayne has come out and said, uh, himself that, it, you know, is him. He, yeah, this is his idea. Yeah. And- that's, that's that I, yeah, he's, that's, that's what he's been saying. I, I have my own beliefs about certainly what, so, about where it came from. I, I stand by what I wrote the other night in terms of just my read on the situation. And I'm right there with you. Um, but, you know, is this a fall on the sword situation, much like we saw with uh, McGowan when it came to the mics? Yeah. Um, you know, that that's that's kind of like my, been my read on this. But um, the pushback publicly was so vociferous um, that the organization made the right read. Granted, you, you know, you don't always want to reward the bad behavior <laughs> for going down that road in the first place, but they did correct it. They their, corrected their, it. I mean, I think it helps that it really wasn't even that much money that they were saving because, the, as no. we, you know, we've talked about this, the announcers fly on the team plane. They stay at the team hotel. At most, you're saving like 500K or a million or maybe like 1.5 over the course of the season, which is a drop in the bucket for a professional sports organization. And I think they, whether it was Dwayne that made the call or whether it was above him or whatever the case may be, whoever it was that made the call to reverse it, made the decision that, you know, whatever marginal amount of money we're saving in this uh, is not worth a, the bad press and b just, you know, how much worse it's going to make the product because I did. And I mentioned this in one of the columns that I wrote about this. I wrote a story for BR during the bubble in 2020 Mm -hmm. where I interviewed a bunch of 
you know, local team broadcasters who all were not in the bubble and were calling stuff remotely, including like two of the people that I talked to for that story were Brooke and Lamar. And everybody, you know, it was her, it was those two. And then it was like Sarah Kustock with the Nets. It was Marcus Johnson with the Bucks. It was a couple of other folks. They all were just talking about like how much it sucks to have to call games when you're not actually in the building and yeah, in person. And also just the stuff about like, being on the team plane and at the team hotel, it makes it easier. You know, some, you know, somebody like Brooke, who, you know, we're both kind of biased because we know her very well. And she's a friend of both of ours, but she's one of the best sideline reporters in the league. And part of why she's so good at the job is because she has relationships with all the players and they all trust her. And it's really hard to build those relationships. As I think everybody saw over the last couple of years, when, there was a lot less traveling and for us in, you know, in the media as reporters, there was a lot less, you know, in-person access to everybody because of COVID it's harder to build those relationships. And I think the Blazers did the right thing by realizing like, look, you know, whatever we were going for here with, you know, with trying to be more efficient as Dwayne said, and be more innovative or whatever the case may be, it was just, this was not the right way to go about it. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that they're, they're trying to find some, some ways to save some money just in general. I just, I mean, that's the nature of the beast uh, yeah. until I believe that the team is sold. Which we both think is going to happen sooner than the team would like you to believe it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying 15 to 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm not, not I'm taking not, the under on that one. Also. Yeah, I just am. Um, but as far as the, the impact, you know, I, it wasn't just even a, a Portland thing, too. You know, I talked to a few folks in the league, and they weren't happy. They didn't like the idea of this because Portland was the only team that wasn't traveling. That would be the, the – I believe there's two two or three other teams that potentially may not travel their radio. But that was it. There was, there was no other team in the league that was not going to travel, you know, TV and radio. That just – and really what I want to see is the Blazers because they, they are one of – trying to remember if it's three or four teams now that control their own broadcasting department. It's very, it's very, very few in the NBA anymore. Um, for those that don't know, Blazers broadcasting is its own independent entity. that's owned by the Blazers. They, they, yes. They and so everything. in some, you know, like in some, in some uh, other markets, you know, the play by play color sideline reporter are employees of, you know, NBC sports, whatever, or Fox sports, whatever, Whereas, you know, Brooke and Lamar and all them, they are employees of the Portland Trailblazers and the entire broadcasting thing is done in-house. Yes, and that was the difference between uh, Roots package and NBC's package. NBC was going to take everything in-house and Roots allowed Blazers Broadcasting to keep doing as they, as they had been. So you look at that part of it and you're like, oh, okay, I, whatever, you know, just make sure it gets, you know, that part of it squared away, make it easier and a, a better product for everybody else. The other part about this is they really shouldn't be looking to, to cut anything here. If anything, they should be looking to invest the Blazers. I mean, the, the broadcast folks are great. The, uh, the on air, the talent, but one of the things that I think they've been lagging behind in is the, the presentation. There hasn't been like an upgrade. Like if, if anybody's watched league pass and watch like the Clippers, like their, right. their broadcast is integrated with AWS, Amazon web services. So with that, they're able to bring on like the second spectrum, like live overlays. Like, and you know, Dwayne talked about some of that in yeah. his, this interview that he did with Chad and Dwight, where he, you know, he actually brought up second spectrum as like, we want to bring in some analytical stuff, which that stuff is, and I wrote, again, this is something I wrote cheap. in the story. Like I wrote, you know, 
that all sounds great, but it's like that shouldn't be an either or exactly. proposition with sending your broadcasters on the road. Like I would be interested to see what he has in mind. And, you know, Dwayne's a smart guy and he's a savvy guy. And I'm sure he has some really good ideas about how to integrate analytics and how to integrate some of this other stuff into the broadcast. And I'm actually genuinely really interested to see what he has in mind. And I'm sure whatever he comes up with is going to be pretty cool. But for all of the messaging that they're putting out about ownership actually isn't cheap and ownership actually isn't absentee with with the Blazers since Paul Allen died and they're actually invested like it shouldn't have come down to if if that's really the case it shouldn't have come down to it being you have to decide between doing all this cool segment spectrum stuff or letting your broadcasters who are already under contract by the way it's not like they're going to get paid less if they're uh, not on the road letting them be on the road yeah and that's I think the thing is that they should be looking at how to find those those little things to make the product better on the on the less expensive front, right? Than it is about saving uh, a a little bit here or there. And I think those are the investments that are kind of worth looking at long term, regardless of if whether they're they're looking to sell the team or not, because the the team's still turning a tremendous profit even in down years and following COVID. Like I just. It, it irks me to say the least, but I'm again, long story short, I'm glad they got back to the point where they realized their mistake and the errors of their ways and they're going to, and they are rectifying it. A couple of other interesting things Dwayne talked about in this interview mm-hmm. that aren't about, you know, this not traveling the broadcasters, you know, mini controversy. Well, he was asked about the fact that root sports, which they're now going into their second season with that being the TV partner as opposed to NBC, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. He was asked about that channel still not being available on, you know, Hulu streaming platform. And well, it's on, it's on uh, Fubo and it's on this new thing called Avaca that I don't really know very much about, but that's, but it's not on the major platforms, right? It's not on Hulu. It's not on YouTube. It's not on Sling. From what the way it's been explained to me, and I've you know I've I've asked around, I've gotten some actual clarification of this. I know that this this is one like Blazer fans are mad about this, understandably so. It doesn't really affect me because I have cable, but like I have so many friends who have you know YouTube TV, and they used to be able to watch Blazer games on NBC Sports Northwest when that channel existed, and now they mm-hmm. can't, and they have to either like you know I know some people who would like make a million different burner email addresses and sign up for the one week free trial of Fubo and then just like do that for 22 <laughs> weeks in a row or whatever. And then obviously there are some less than legal ways of, of streaming games that people would find on various uh, internet uh, outlets that would, they would, they would, they would kind of resort to. What I will say is that on this one, the Blazers are not the people to get mad at that one because since they don't the way it's been explained to me since they don't own root sports they're just their relationship with root sports is the channel pays them however much money they pay them per year for the broadcast rights for the 82 blazer games out of the year Mm -hmm. and that's the relationship they don't own the the station i think is owned by jointly by the mariners and by direct tv so any negotiations between hulu or youtube or whatever with root sports is with the root sports higher-ups and all the blazers could really do is 
go to, you know, the Root Sports higher-ups and say, hey, you know, we'd really like it if you could get a deal done with YouTube or with Hulu so that more of our fans could watch our games. But that's actually something that the Blazers and Dwayne and, you know, all the other people in charge there have nothing to do with. And actually, they're completely they, out of the control. They can't do anything about it even if they, you know, if they try. So considering I used to work for the other TV partner, I'm right. kind of privy to how a lot of this stuff works and how yes. the negotiations kind of go down and the other part of this is is that so the blazers just sell the the inventory of the games and that's 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 what's sold is hey here's 82 games um and then the blazers they sell their uh inventory of commercials because that's that's the whole reason for blazers broadcasting existing is they can sell the the airtime right for the commercials um and then they can kind of piggyback off of the the, the bigger brand commercials uh, the uh, Root can piggyback off of. So all of that being said, you take a look at the distribution platforms. And then this is not me trying to be like, oh, hey, look, I, I'm Mr. Blazer because anybody who knows me knows it's not the case. Uh, but we're just, you know, we, we, we killed them is, for this. We, we killed them for the not, not you know, like wanting to send broadcasters on the road. Now we, yes, we yeah. have to actually explain to people that on this one, they, they actually aren't the people for you to get mad at on this. Yes. There's there's also the other part of this is they actually have a larger distribution platform now. More people are able to get root than there were able to get access to NBC Sports. That's just the nature of the beast. Right. Now, the streaming platform stuff, I hope they figure it out. And I hope they figure it out quickly. But that again, that is that is with root and not with the Blazers because that they they have sold their distribution rights to root. Um, How many years does this deal run for? Do you know? I can't. I think it was five. It was shorter than last time. I know that. Okay. Because that was part of the deal. Is they wanted to make sure it was shorter. Um, but I, I believe it was five. I'll have to double check on that. It was. It, it definitely wasn't what what, what it was it a ten year deal they had last time. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was that wasn't good for either side. So and especially with the the upcoming changes with the NBA landscape coming. Um, nobody's really signing long-term deals right now. I mean, you, if you want to look for a kind of a, a yard marker, you can look at college football and how the, the grant of rights deals are being handled uh, by the big national networks and, and Fox ESPN and, and kind of how they're walking through. And that. now you have like Apple and Amazon getting in the mix. And that's, and that's exactly part of the reason why is because they want to make sure that when those, when the big, big players, because Amazon, everybody keeps waiting for them to hop in has only kind of dabbled. They've, yeah, they've like, just started doing NFL stuff this yeah, year. Yeah, they have, they have like what Thursday night football. Like that's like that's their their thing now. Like it's so how they walk through this, and same with YouTube. Like they have their uh, Major League Baseball game of the week. They Apple is doing baseball stuff now. Yeah, so they're 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 kind of checking it out. There's but so for those who want to get into the nitty gritty of this, when you're talking about advertising dollars, there are two things in the world right now where advertising dollars matter. And they're both in live TV and it's news and sports. So that's why you're seeing the, the, these big spikes in TV deals because everybody who works in the ad world knows the best place to go to advertising right now is for either breaking news or, or live sports. That's people don't watch appointment viewing is not a thing anymore outside of those two events. And so that's why you're seeing teams and leagues prioritize these TV deals and why you don't, you weren't seeing networks like root, just jumping at the idea of just handing it over to YouTube or handing it over to food, to uh, Amazon or any of these other streaming services because they know that what they have is worth a lot of money. And so they stand on it and they sit on it and they take their time 
because it's not worth it for them to sell below market when all, if all of a sudden they you know strike gold with something and now their 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 rights are you know licensed out for x amount of years and they're losing money so it's it's a weird convoluted world to kind of dive into but this is this part of it isn't one that the blazers need to be re-raked over the coals about right i did find it encouraging i would say as somebody who lives in Portland and covers the NBA and would not hate the idea of not having to travel to cover the all-star game, maybe one year. Yeah. It'd be pretty rad to have an all-star game here. <laughs> he talked in that. Yeah. They but Portland has never had one. The franchise has existed for 50 years. Uh, and Dwayne was asked about it in this radio interview. And he said that he he's good. He's getting ready to, you know, I know McGowan had made the ask a couple of times over the years, and the league had always kind of told him that, you know, we'd love to have the All-Star game in Portland, but you don't have enough hotels. But, you know, between that Hyatt that just went up at the convention center, and then there's a new Four Seasons downtown that I think a lot of NBA teams are going to be staying at now, as, as opposed to the nines that, you know, teams usually stay at when they come to town. Like, I think there are a couple more high-end hotels, and I think they feel like if Cleveland was able to get the All-Star game and Salt Lake City was able to get the All-Star game, then they should at least have a decent shot at getting a yes this time if they ask again coming up. So I, what do, what do, what do you, what, where do you kind of read that whole thing? And how, how, what do you kind of see the like? Persistence is key. Yes. <laughs> like, like it, Everybody says, oh, Utah, they, they're getting one, and Cleveland got one. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, Utah hosted an Olympics. Like, yeah. they have the infrastructure to make this happen. Cleveland, Cleveland has hosted, is, like, political conventions and stuff. Yes, like, they're, they're, these are all convention, you know, big-type cities. Portland is really, I think, the only city in the entire NBA that doesn't have – like, even Oklahoma City has the capacity for this because right. they – they've got a massive convention center and, and hotel set up because they're a oil and, and farming hub. Right. So, and, and, you know, like the, the 24, this cut, this coming one is in Salt Lake. And then the, the last one that is actually on the know, cycle on the cycle is Indy in 24. And Indy has hosted, like they host political conventions. They've hosted Super Bowls. They have the Indy 500. They have tons of like big events that, that go through. And NFL that's combine. Like, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a city that knows how to do those events and yeah. has the infrastructure for those events. I think with Portland, it's a little bit of a smaller scale thing, but like they've had the MLS All Star Game here. They've had other kind of smaller like I like I remember when I was in high school, my parents went to the World Figure Skating Championships one year when it was here. I think it was like two thousand four or two thousand five or something. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know that is coming back that I think is going to be a little bit of a selling point for the league. And, you know, if you want to keep your third eye open about this being a Phil Knight adjacent event and some other ways that Phil Knight (laughs) may or may not be tied into Blazers related things in the coming months and years, if you will. But the PK, it was the PK 80 tournament, the, the Phil Knight Invitational, the last time it was really like a multi-day invitational. Like mm-hmm. the last couple of years, they didn't, there was a couple of years, obviously, where they didn't have it at all because of COVID. But the last couple of years, it was just like a one day thing where like maybe four total teams would come and they would just have like two games and it was like a double header and it was just like a one day thing. It wasn't nearly the thing that it was the first year that they had it. I believe it was 2017. 
this year it's going back to being like a full four, three or four day like thing over Thanksgiving weekend. And I think there's like 10 men's teams and four or five women's teams. And that's going to be like, and these are like major programs too. Like I think Duke is coming in for it in Kentucky. I don't have the list. Yeah, the, the PK 85 is absolutely yeah, bonkers. like I don't have the list of like schools in front of me, but it's like it's like big name schools that have huge fan bases that are going to be having a lot of people, both, you know, fans of those schools and like a lot of personnel coming in for it. And so I think this tournament is going to be kind of a test for a, you know, the city of Portland with, you know, this sort of like multi-day major sporting event and B both the Moda Center and the Coliseum running at the same time, you know, putting on an event like this. And if this goes off well, I think that's going to really strengthen Portland's case to the NBA for, hey, you should give us an all-star game. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like what they're what they're building towards is, is building that platform to show that they can do it, show that they can be a host city. Um, I, I still think that the NBA in, in general is going to definitely hold one eye open, squinting uh, at the hotel status. Right. Because they can't put everybody who wants to come to this at the nines. Well, there's the nines, but then they, they, they just opened a new four seasons like pretty recently that I think. Did it I open think, finally? I'm pretty sure. Well, yes, it is because uh, uh, somebody I know who owns a restaurant was looking into maybe getting a spot in the food court and decided not to. But it's, they're, they're, they're like they're like at that stage right now where they're gotcha. like booking that stuff. So by the time of like 2025 or the earliest. That, so they, they can sell it now. So they, yes. they have they, they can finally say they have two top tier hotels. Right. Well, and then you've also got the Hyatt at the convention center that they they built in the last I mean, few years. Yeah, but you know, like what, what I'm saying as far as like what they what they'll sell as far as right. Uh, because what the, what they're talking about is 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 the VIPs that come to town. Right. It's not about <laughs> it's not about the fans. They, they don't they don't they don't care about that. They they <laughs> what they care about is everybody that's going to fly in, the players that are going to fly in, the amenities for the coaches, the players, the personnel, everybody else. That's that's really what they're worried about more than anything else. And Portland is just lagged behind in that regard. And now that now that they actually are going to have some opportunities now, I, th- I could see particularly when you're looking at an event like PK 85, when you've got the, the biggest, you know, basketball programs in the country like Duke and Gonzaga uh, coming into town uh, for the invitational. And you get, you get the big one, I believe, next year is the full on um, the full on tournament. But like, those are those are good ways to kind of soft launch what the city can do. And again, PK, Phil Knight, like, again, these shouldn't be too hard to like kind of draw some lines here about what may or may not be trying to be done. As I said, other, other NBA related business that may involve Phil Knight and this city and various properties and whatever the case may be. So, I mean, if you will, yeah, the, the checks will write checks as, as needed. <laughs> so. I think that also might be a, a, a another selling point for, uh, you know, the NBA, you know, given that the clearly the NBA would like for some other things relating to Phil Knight to get done. That could be sort of a, you know, a carrot to dangle of like, Hey, you know, if, if they can get this, you know, this, that, piece of it done here's an all-star game on the back end yeah that would be an interesting part of it what do you think about 
you know, where things stand with, you know, when the Blazers, this is, these are a couple of things that I, you know, if I were the one interviewing Dwayne Hankins on the uh, radio and I suppose I could just ask him this stuff. Cause I, you know, you and I are both in touch with him. We, you know, we could probably get answers on this <laughs> stuff, but, and this, you know, this is both stuff that I probably plan on asking him on media day, but wh- what do you think about kind of where things are at with a Portland getting a G league team because right now I believe the Blazers are the only team actually no Phoenix sold theirs, but yeah, there's now only, off. there's only two NBA teams now that don't have their own G league team. And the Blazers are one of them. And Joe Cronin said in his interview with Sprague that it's something that they're looking at, but he didn't really have any firm updates. And then the other thing is Portland being on the short list of six cities that are under consideration for WNBA expansion. And I think we kind of think it's a lock that the Bay Area is going to get one of the two teams mm-hmm. that they're thinking about just because Joe Lacob is like trying to make that happen. But I will be interested to see, you know, given the fan base and market for women's sports in general in Portland with how popular the Thorns are and how popular the Oregon and Oregon State women's basketball programs are. I would think that Portland would have a pretty good shot at getting the other one of those teams too. Do you have any, do you know anything more than has been reported about kind of where that's both of those two things are at the G league and the WNBA stuff? No, uh, Dwayne has, has, has said publicly that, you know, that, that they definitely want uh, a WNBA team uh, on the, on the business side of things. I think that's something that they'll, they'll look uh, at pretty heavily. Um, and as far as the G league, I know from the league standpoint, uh, they, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it a mandate, but they are going to strongly urge that every team have a G League team very soon. So I would imagine in the next two two years, that one way or another, Portland will have a G League team. Where do you think they're going to play? That's I from from what I understand, that is legitimately an unknown. Was it going to so, be like this, like the Salem Blazers, the Beaverton Blazers? I think Salem is as far south as they would go. Legitimately, I, I, I don't think they're going to go anywhere beyond that. If anything, um, I, I believe the Lakers play at their practice facility. El Segundo, you mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that's where they have them out of. Or not their practice facility, but they're, they're like kind of side facility. Um, right. I, I could imagine the Blazers doing something like that. The Tualatin Trail Blazers. Yeah, like... <sighs> The investment you could do maybe in Beaverton, like the hoop. Yeah. Like, Which I that's a pretty that. nice facility. Dame had both of his recent camps. Yeah. At, he so had like the Formula Zero uh, camp out at. Um, well, he had Formula imagine, Zero and then he also had his kids camp. It's which true. You're right. Like a, couple, a, month, a month before that, he had his Damian Lillard camp. So, yeah. uh, but I can imagine that being an opportunity. Um, I, I don't, I just don't see any place out here that you, without building a new facility that you could like, have a fan oriented like experience. Like I think that's the question that you really have to wonder that they're, they're got to going through. Like, is this like purely a development thing or is this something you're going to try and make money off of? Like, are you going to try and have fans be, be involved, like build a community around it kind of a deal, or is this purely and totally a, a supplemental draft or a development facility? Because if it's just a, t- a development facility, then you can run them out of the practice facility. You can run it out of a place like the hoop. Like you can run it at a lot of uh, regional locations that are you know you have relatively quick access to. And then also, like if you want to, if you want to keep your third eye open about some stuff, as as we do, 
Uh, you know, if they do it in Beaverton, you know, there's there, there's something else that's in Beaverton, too. Yeah, I was just, just going to say there's also another opportunity on a particular campus off of uh, yeah. off of Walker Road <laughs> that would allow you to do it as well. And let me tell you right now, Coach K Court at the Nike campus. It's pretty nice. No, I've a couple of a couple of different times. I it's really uh you know what you know what the team it's the Knicks are the team that always does their practices in Portland on the Nike campus because you know in my in the past you know when I was you know a national writer for BR like sometimes I would have to drive out to the uh, visiting teams practices to get a player Mm -hmm. you know at various points uh. And usually, you know, they'll do it at University of Portland or Portland State or if they're not doing it at the arena. But yeah, because it's right there. Because right, again, and it's like in the city. Nuggets. But but the Knicks always do their practices in Portland. Well, they're used to driving Nike. an hour for their practice facility, so it's, it's, right. it's fine for them. <laughs> Which, by the way, just as an aside, you know, more so than like James Dolan being a joke or, you know, whatever else or whatever dysfunction there is a big reason why the Knicks don't get free agents is because their practice facility is so far away from the city. And so you, the allure of living in New York is like lessened when you have to go an hour and a half to even get to your practice facility every day, which is just, that's pure Knicks, pure Knicks. (laughs) Love it. Absolutely love it. But for for those that have never been out there, um, the, the night, I mean, it shouldn't be a, uh, Shocking, but Nike's uh, got multiple courts, but the Coach K court where Team USA works out when they're here is also tremendous. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot. Get, shifting into a little bit of uh, actual basketball stuff before you, you – you just – you and Sprague on the Jack Ramsey's podcast, which I would imagine most people who are listening to this probably also subscribe to, but if you're not, you should get that on some, the – Some cross-pollination for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've – they've now, you know – Danny's now been on this show twice. Sprague has been on this show. I've been on their show many times over the years since they started doing it. Like it's, it's all, it's all part of the, the extended cinematic universe, but it's all the same ecosystem. You just this week had Anthony Simons on Mm -hmm. as a guest. And I think you've got a couple of other players coming on over the next couple. Like, are you at Liberty to say who's going to come on? Yeah, no, We've got Jabari coming for sure next for tomorrow. Yeah. So Thursday, Thursday, we've got Jabari Walker coming on. Um, we, I do have a couple that have agreed and they're going to come on. I just don't have dates yet. So, okay. Um, and then uh, ho- hopefully we'll have, uh, I- I'm hoping to have at least four more. Okay. So there's a lot of this stuff and these are, and these are like extended. It's not like a, you know, Oh, you know, we got a, we got a player to come on the podcast and this is only like a 15 minute episode. You got Ant for like 40 or 45 minutes and yeah. it was a real interview. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, obviously with Ant, it's, you know, that's... A you guy guys have guy. a relationship, Yeah, so. we Yeah, we have a relationship, so, like, when I, you know, it's, it's not like something where I have to go through, I'm like, hey, man, you might... I, I literally just, you know, I shoot him a text, hey, man, you might come on. <laughs> so, and, he was, and he's just down. Yeah, and he is, and, and the thing is, like, he's in such a, like, a great mood right now. <laughs> I, well, I, would I mean, sure. I would, too, if I had just gotten a $100 billion contract. <laughs> so, like... He's, he's, he's in high spirits. He's training his ass off right now. Like he's been all over. He's been in Phoenix. He's been in LA. The NBA uh, has posted Vegas. a couple of ant workout clips yeah. on social media. And he's, he's back down in LA right now working on stuff. And you know, it's kind of funny that clips that they've, they've posted. It's, it's a lot of what he talked to us about is one of the things he's just grinding on right now is, is, is the ability to generate free throws. 
And I think that's going to be one of the more interesting storylines this season to see how effective he is at doing that. Well, what was his free throw? I don't have it in front of me. What What is his free throw rate during his career? Is that? Is- uh, it's it's very, very low. It can be two seconds. Um, a lot of it is because he shoots so, so, so many threes that he uh, just never really got it. Let's see, his career. I mean, he's, he's athletic enough. He should be able to get to the oh, rim. Oh, 100%. Than he does. His career free throw rate right now is uh, 0.156, which puts him literally <laughs> right on par with with CJ. Okay. So he, even though he only played, you know, a couple a couple minutes in his rookie year, he, he was at a higher rate. But basically, he's been floating between one point one four and point one seven. So literally, because his shot his his shot diet looked very much like CJ's in place, because the role they asked him to play was kind of the you know spot up shooter, don't really get downhill. And now, you know, that that's changed drastically after uh, his you know arrival on the scene in January. Yes, that that's going to be a big thing that he works on. I'm going to be really interested to see if he, uh, you know, is, is, is able to get to the rim and get to the free throw line more than he actually has. What, what were some other takeaways for you from the conversation that you had with him and just, you know, some of the other stuff that stood out in talking to him? Really, his his recognition of the differences between how he pl- will likely play with Damian Lillard and how CJ played with Damian, right? Like I think that's the that's the big thing is everybody's it's the same thing. Ant and Dame is the same as CJ and Dame. Is oh, like, I've got not. I've gotten that one in a lot of yeah. radio hits with like out of town hosts. Yeah. Like that's the one that that's I've gotten that one a lot, and it's, uh, it's it, really it, not comparable. They're they're not they're they they play so drastically different and. I, I I really want the season to get here so that people can understand truly how different they play. Uh, CJ is a bucket-getting play-ender. Ant is more like Dame. Where I know a lot of people say well, that Dame's a, a dribble-dribble-dribble guy. He's not really. He's a dribble-dribble-dribble guy when he doesn't have other pieces around him. And he really only had one other creator with, with CJ, and CJ's not a natural sharer of the ball. He's not a natural playmaker. He's a he's a gifted passer. He's actually got like probably got more passing versatility, like his willingness to throw like a behind the back, a one handed whip pass, or you know, uh, an off cadence or off step, you know, cross court. Like he he did more of that in his passing frequency than Dame does. Like Dame's just not flashy. But as far as creating shots and creating opportunities, Dame's so far and above CJ. It's ridiculous. And Ant's profile leans significantly more towards Dame's profile, which is getting more guys involved. And I think the addition of Jeremy Grant taking the offensive burden off of Dame, 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 I think is going to make things a lot different uh, for the offense this year. And I think that's going to be something that's really interesting and, and kind of that benefits and feeds not just the offense, but the defense side of the ball, because neither Ant nor Dame will be required to generate so much uh, that, you know, they don't, they don't really have the built-in, I don't want to say excuse, but they don't have the built-in excuse, because call it what it is, uh, to say, hey, listen, we, you know, we're you know, we carrying so much of the offensive burden that we need to save some energy, because that's a real thing. Um, and then they and they can kind of figure that side of the things out and play more aggressively. But that that was one of the things that really stood out to me was, was how Ant was like, this is... And it wasn't throwing shade at CJ, it was just a cognizance or an awareness of how different him and CJ are. The defense thing is so interesting to me because I, and this was kind of not discussed at all because there was so much other stuff going on with the team last year, whether, you know, because early on in the season when they weren't yet completely tanking and they were still Mm -hmm. 
ostensibly trying to win and Dame was struggling through playing through this ab thing and you know the Neil stuff was going on and just and all this other stuff I felt like before he got shut down like as much as Dame was having the worst year of his career on an offensive standpoint as far as like how he was shooting and the shots that he was missing that he usually makes and he wasn't getting to the basket as much I felt and I haven't looked at any metrics on this and I don't you know obviously a lot of the defensive metrics are kind of flawed as it is but I felt just anecdotally watching the games I thought the effort and the effectiveness for Dame on the defensive end was like noticeably higher last season before he was shut down than it ever had been before in his career. Was that something you thought about or noticed at all? Because I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, Dame is actually like defend kind of, you know, he's not, he wasn't a good defender, but it was like, there were times where I felt like he wasn't as much of a liability as he had been in the past. I think he was certainly trying to be more engaged, but they were also trying to do that equal opportunity offense. Uh Uh-huh. And that I think a lot of that had to do with everybody from Dame to CJ to Ant to Nas to Nurk to Cove to Norm. <laughs> Literally everyone being told that they were going to have a bigger role. And <laughs> you could see how uh, guys were like, OK, fine, you know, I'm going to buy in. Da, da, da. But the uh, the pecking order changed from, you know, uh, pyramid to a flat line. And that just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work in the NBA at all. And I think that led to some some of the degradation that you saw uh, that kind of expedited the season. But I think to to your point, I do believe that Dame was trying to put more effort in because he was hoping that the reliance on other guys being thrust more into offensive roles wasn't going to require him to give as much offensively. I, I say this all the time. Damian Lillard is an offense unto himself. There are five guys in the NBA who can say that. Right. It's like Steph, Luca, LeBron, Giannis. Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's why well, six. Will you, you put Jokic in that category? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, Jokic is, it does it in such a vastly different way. Um, but like they're just offensive hubs that just, yeah, they, they make you a good offense by themselves. And, but the difference is, Dame being the smallest guy in that group has to work harder than any of them to get to that level. And so he doesn't have the gas defensively. And it was like, well, he should just find no, no, no. Like I don't think people understand just how much of an offensive burden he carried in the Stotts era. And that really not even the Stotts era, the post LaMarcus era, because outside of CJ, they never had additional playmakers. They never, they never had an offensive help. The the, off, the the balance of that of those rosters was always so skewed. The playmaking was always so limited that they never got it right. And so you would see Dame in that final stretch from post-All-Star break to the end of the season break his back, getting them to wherever they needed to go in the, in the, in the seedings and get them into the playoffs. And honestly, he'd run out of gas. And what's funny is for all of the stuff of like Dame not defending, and he did, he he was a poor defender, especially the last two years, not even before last year, the two years before that, he was atrocious. He he was he was incredibly bad. But I'll say this: in the playoffs, as weird as it is, he never really got hunted. Like if you go back and watch every series, he never really got hunted. Like, like come playoff time, he's at least passable. 
And so that has to give you like a little bit of hope of like understanding of like what the second season looks like, that if he can get to that, and that's the difference between, you know, get a little bit of rest. You're not traveling as much, uh, the 82 game grind, yada, yada, yada. But that at least gives me a little bit of hope that they could figure it out. Uh, mostly by just flying around more, which is what Chauncey wants being more aggressive and just being flat out more athletic. This team is so much more athletic than they've been in the past that it's 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 going to be night and day difference. Now, will it be uh, as uh, as effective as they want it to be? I don't know. <laughs> Where do you have like, them in the in the West? Like just just assuming and it's assuming... only six six to six six seven eight. But if things go their way, I can see them four five. But if things don't, I can see them going nine ten. Yeah, I think like five to eight is roughly the you know and i've yeah. talked about this with other people that's roughly the i the four teams that i think they're just very clearly not as good as are golden state phoenix clippers and denver and everybody else like mm-hmm. you could tell me you know out of that out of that next group of you know new orleans dallas memphis uh minnesota and portland like that next five you could tell me they finished first out of that group you could tell me they finished behind all those other four teams mm-hmm. and and i would i would buy it. i think health is a big part of it and here's the thing like the Blazers have probably more variance than any of those other teams because they're working in three new starters. Right. Uh, they're, they're, here, here's the, the crazy thing: they're they're coming into the season and they're only they're only like real contributors that were here day one last year are Damon Nurk and Ant. I mean, but even then, Ant was still kind of slowly brought in. He he started off super hot and then they kind of reeled him back because they were trying to integrate Dame and CJ, try to figure out how things were going to work. But as far as like Guys that were no doubt getting real minutes every single night. It was just those two guys. Like it, it, the first probably month of the season, Ant's minutes vacillated. Like there was a couple nights where he played like 12, 14. And then towards the end of that first month, when Chauncey was like, screw it, I'm going to play four guards. It was playing 27, <laughs> basically just as a Basically just as a <laughs> like, you know, to his boss, hey, you want to only give me guards to work with? Here, here you yeah. go. I hope you're happy. And, and then I think that was part of it. It was because of the, how sideways it was. And now it's still not perfect, but it's going to make a little bit more sense as far as the roster construction is concerned. But I think that there is an opportunity. Like, again, they aren't done. And Joe's been very clear about them not being done, which, again, also refreshing. I have um, to. Yeah, I have to. Just like we're talking, you know, we were talking earlier about. I mean, this all kind of goes into a shift in like the organizational philosophy on both yeah. sides of it. Like we were talking earlier about how good it is that Dwayne Hankins on the business side was being was willing to be transparent about like, hey, maybe I did maybe I didn't think this all the way through with the traveling stuff with the broadcast. Joe Cronin makes two pretty significant additions with Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton pays a lot of money to re-sign Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic. If it was the last guy, we probably would be going into media day with him talking about, you know, this is a title contender. This is the deepest team that we've had in the Dame era. Whereas Joe has been very open, you know, when he went on the radio with Sprague, you know, the last couple of times he's, done a press conference he said look we're not good enough still we need to get better we need to do more and then again that that's that's a big part of this is the idea of like just accepting that things aren't totally okay and that they're not totally done that you don't need to sell something that isn't there and i think the organization that that's been a breath of fresh air and it's released a little bit of pressure because remember we got that story two years ago coming out of the restaurant that this was a championship contending team <laughs> like it's like championship contending teams aren't don't come out and say they are they just are and i think that's 
that's what's going to be interesting to see how this Blazers team does. We, you and I talk back and forth about the schedule. Yeah. After it comes out. And, and if I, they can I, get I know, past the first six weeks at 500, yeah, they're fine. Like, that, that, that's the thing is like, it's, it's tough. Like it, I would, I would hope for a little bit of an easier schedule, like 19 of their first 28 are on the road. Like that's not easy. But if you can get through the basically, if you can get through Christmas at or around yeah. five hundred, they're fine. The rest of the get way. Get, get through five hundred and get through healthy, and I think then this this team has a chance to not not necessarily do something special, but certainly play above. Get a high enough seed that they have a chance. Yeah, and that's that's what's we're, what you're hoping for. You know, that's that's the kind of opportunity that that you hope comes your way by doing the work early. Because here's the thing: if they if they come out of that section under five hundred, like what is it, like twenty eight games? Like if they come out of there like. I don't know, four, five, six games under 500, then you're kind of, you're probably looking at that six, seven, eight. But if you come out at 500 or better, then you can, you can give yourself a chance at that four, five, six range. And I think that's, what's going to be the interesting part of this. Uh, again, everything can change with injuries and all that kind of stuff, but just looking at it from a, you know, top down level, as far as expectations, I think that's, that's what kind of the beginning of the season sets up for them. Did you enjoy the, the the cycle of slop today with an anonymous Celtics assistant coach saying that they <laughs> that Justice Winslow could yeah. be a trade target if 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 the Blazers season goes sideways? Like the best part is, about it was that that he could be a trade target for the Celtics TPE. That hey, we could take Justice Winslow off you for free. And I was like, you know. Come trade deadline, if the Blazers aren't doing well and they and they do want to dodge the luxury tax, I can see them maybe looking at that. But I would imagine that at the same time they'd also want to try to get something for justice. They're, they like justice. Chauncey and Joe have both talked about how they view him as a. Oh, real, they they want know. more justices on their team. Yeah, like they want his mentality. Like they 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 want that. That's that's that that dog that they talk about. The dog in him per thirty six minutes, as as Richmond puts it, a hundred percent, and they. They love his attitude. They love his mindset. And so I, I, it'd be hard for me to see them just be like, nah, yeah, no, we're going to mail him off to a competitor for nothing. Like, you know, The one thing I could see them doing as far as a move, I'm pretty, I, I think you would probably agree with me, like outside of like they have one more two-way spot, but outside of that, they're pretty much done until, you know, at least going into training. Until camp. they need like, to be, yeah. But the one thing I could see them doing is if they need to dump off Didi Luzano on somebody, that's yes. like the one guy. That's the one guy I, I look at and say, like, because even though, you know, some of the other younger guys, like, I don't know how big of a role Greg Brown, for example, is going to have. I don't know how big of a role Keon Johnson is going to have. Those guys are probably going to be like the 11th, the 12th guys, probably Those not going to get super that many minutes. Guys. Yeah. Right. Though, but the one guy that I just, I look at, you know, with is, and just be like, I just, I don't see how he plays as a, instead it, it it, you know, except for like super deep garbage time is Aditi Luzada. And so that's the one guy, if there's like any guy that I, I look at and say, yeah, they, if, if they need to get rid of somebody just to like cut money and get below the tax or, you know, create a roster spot to sign somebody else or, or whatever the case may be. Like that's, that's the one piece I see as maybe somebody they might just, you know, get rid of and not really worry about like what they get back. Fast forward to the trade deadline. Do you think Josh Hart's still here? No. Okay. Yeah, Do you? Same page. Yeah. No. I, I love. Not, I love because I love Josh, but not because he's, he's not good, but or you it's know because he, he is good. Right. It's because he's a. It's because he's good. B. He's has an opt out next season that he, I'm sure he's going to opt out of and get want to get a lot get more real money. money. Yes. Get yeah. Get real money, and then also just 
if you're going to trade somebody, you know, if, if Nasir Little has the kind of breakout year that he thinks he's going to have, and I know that, that Joe and Chauncey both kind of expect him to have, they're not going to want to trade him, especially if they sign him to an extension. And, you know, out of the rest of the guys, like Josh Hart is probably the one guy that both, you know, is expendable somewhat and that has enough trade value around the league that they'll actually be able to get something for him. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's the way I see Justice getting traded too, is where they end up doing like a two for one. Right. Where they package Justice and Hart up or you know, and Didi, whatever kind of money they need to make to get a a singular contributor of more size. So six foot six or taller. And that's kind of where we're at, right? Like we're we're talking about like the the a, a very very second or third hand Justice Winslow rumor. That's probably a good sign of of you know it being time to wrap this up. Like yeah, that you know this is where we're at in August. This is as good a time as any for me to you know. Like I said, earlier, it's, it's a good time to move. As I said at the top of the show, yeah, I'm moving apartments this weekend, and so the next week I'm going to be tied up with that, but. This is as good of a time as any to take a little bit of an extended break. As always, you can go subscribe to the Rose Garden Report uh, newsletter, rosegardenreport.beehive.com. Free and paid stuff is available. If you're a paid subscriber, I've had a couple of big things on Nasir Little that have come out recently, so go read those if you're a paid subscriber. I'm going to have a mailbag probably coming in a couple of weeks that you have to be a paid subscriber to submit a question for. So if that's something that interests you, you can go sign up and do that. You can get the podcast as always on Apple, Spotify, and Google and all the usual places where you get podcasts. Uh, You can check Danny out. You guys already know this already, but Jack Ramsey's podcast, it's on YouTube. It's on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, all that. Danny and Dusty weekdays. What's the time slot? We're, we're noon to three. Noon to three on 1080 The Fan. Yep. Go listen to that. They've been doing a great job. I've been listening to a lot of the – I mean, what I do with a lot of radio shows is I, I, I don't ever really listen to the radio live. What I kind of do is the all podcast. like – I get the podcast and then like I pick and choose like the topics that I'm interested in. I'll listen to that. But you guys are doing a great job. You're covering a lot of different topics, whether you're interested in the Blazers or Oregon football, Oregon State football, all this you know ongoing – UCLA and USC leaving the Pac-12 drama, whatever else. Like you guys have been doing a great job covering all of that, and like Danny was saying at the top, you know, you're you're going to be doing a lot more on the ground, you know, coverage of the Blazers once Re- reportery the gets type going. stuff with without being breaking news guy. Reportery uh, type stuff, I think, yes. is a good way of putting it. But <laughs> uh, thanks again to everybody for listening, and we will be back with you. After Labor Day weekend, look uh, for the podcast. Until then, thanks for listening.